Hi, this is Pat Iyer of Legal Nurse Podcast, and I have the pleasure of bringing to you Beth Zorn, who I have known for probably at least a couple of decades, Beth, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, we connected first through the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants, and I have always known and respected Beth for her deep knowledge of the type of legal nurse consulting that one finds in-house working for a law firm. So welcome to the podcast, Beth. Thank you, Pat. What we wanted to do as we were planning this show was to take you inside the law firm to understand how an LNC functions, how that LNC contributes to the team's decisions and supports the goals of the law firm. Beth, have you worked in more than one law firm? Yes, I've worked in two. So from 85 to 95, I was at a uh, big defense firm in Rochester, New York. And then since 95, I've been at a um, well-known plaintiff firm in Rochester um, until my uh, very recent retirement from the firm. Yes, Beth is probably the first guest who I have interviewed who has reached that milestone after more than 35 years experience in the legal nurse consulting field. Uh, She also served as the president of the American Association of Legal Nurse Consultants, as I did as well, and served on the board for many years and has been intimately involved in mentoring legal nurse consultants through having LNC interns who came to work at the law firm, as well as being involved in starting and supporting LNC Exchange, which is a listserv that you have heard me mention in prior episodes, which is a networking forum for legal nurse consultants. Let's focus now. You've said, Beth, you worked for the defense for approximately 10 years and then for the plaintiff side of the law for the remainder of your lifetime as a legal nurse consultant employed. What is the role of the LNC who works in-house and is that role different in the defense side versus the plaintiff side? Uh, Great question. And I could talk for hours about it, but I'll try and keep my comments relatively brief. So some general thoughts first. There's not one in-house LNC role. The role really varies with the firm, the extent to which the firm has previously used and values LNC support. And then the role also varies with type of case. For example, in medical malpractice cases, the LNC is involved in liability causation and damages issues, whereas in personal injury cases, such as auto, slip and fall, et cetera, the nurse typically focuses on just causation damages issues. Um, the role is, is primarily determined by each attorney the, the nurse works with. And this in turn varies with how a particular attorney chooses to use a, a, an LNC and, and whether the attorney has worked with nurses before. Um, and, I, and I think the role is also impacted by the attorney's medical knowledge and the nurse's legal knowledge. For example, experienced med mal attorneys really know a lot of medicine and may need less explanation regarding medical issues than a new associate attorney. 
And just as an aside, in-house titles, because this comes up a lot, they're also determined by the partnership, um, but they are not necessarily a reflection of the role. For example, an LNC at one firm may essentially play a similar, similar role as a nurse paralegal or a nurse medical legal consultant at another firm. So in terms of some other general um, thoughts about the role, it, it really takes a fair amount of time for um, a nurse to grow into the in-house LNC role and also for a given attorney to feel comfortable working with a particular nurse. I, I would say that it takes at least three years or more for a, a new in-house LNC in her first in-house job to really feel comfortable with the role, including interacting with clients and debating case issues with the attorney. I, I think, you know, to keep in mind regarding the role, the most important thing a nurse cannot do in a firm or even working independently is engage in activities which could be construed as the practice of law, such as dispensing legal advice to clients. And the most important thing an LNC must do is protect client confidentiality and of course, abide by HIPAA guidelines. I think otherwise the sky is the limit in terms of the ways a skilled in-house nurse can assist attorneys to deliver um, high quality legal services. So in terms of more specifics about the in-house role, so let's start with the initial plaintiff LNC role. At my firm, the nurses screen all potential medical malpractice intakes. And in fact, our nurses probably spend 40% of our time screening and investigating potential med mal cases. Um, so the, and we discussed the initial disposition of a potential claim with the attorney. And there are generally three options right off the bat when a, when a call comes in, either an immediate rejection um, based on something like conflict of interest, expired statute of limitations, um, insufficient damages, or likely there's no liability or liability that can be proven. Uh, second disposition, more information is needed. And in that, in those situations, usually the nurse obtains additional information, um, whereas the, the, the intakes are done by a trained paralegal, so not a nurse. Um, and then the third option is it's pretty clearly potentially a really good case. And so we, you know, we advise the attorney or recommend that we proceed with an investigation. So for those cases um, that we're, we decide to investigate, the, the nurse meets with the injured party and the attorney to gather detailed facts of the events at issue, a medical history, a list of the pertinent, med pertinent medical records, and to get a sense for the consequences of the alleged negligence, which is also known as damages. Um, the nurse also obtains and reviews the pertinent medical records, and then discusses with the attorney whether to proceed with one or more expert reviews based on the information gleaned from the medical records. And then if a decision is made to proceed with expert review, the nurse identifies and screens potential experts, um, and then together with the attorney decides which expert or experts we want to use. And then the nurse prepares a package of materials for the experts, typically a bunch of medical records, pertinent radiology images, or anything that's applicable, such as photographs. 
And then once the expert's review is complete, the nurse conferences with the expert and the attorney, typically by phone or video conference. And then after this conference takes place, the, the nurse discusses with the attorney the basis for the expert's opinions and case strengths and weaknesses. So the attorney can decide whether to um, proceed with litigation. So that's kind of a summary of the initial plaintiff, in-house plaintiff uh, uh, LNC role. So let's let's move to the initial role at a defense firm. So obviously defense firms, which are also known as outside counsel, are assigned cases from the insurance carrier once a lawsuit has been formally commenced by um, serving a complaint. And then thereafter, the um, in-house defense LNC will review the complaint to get a general sense of the allegations, may meet with the attorney to interview the insured individual, also known as the defendant or defendants, um, review the plaintiff's interrogatory answers, or in some states, the bill of particulars, which contains detailed information about the allegations, harm, and treating providers. Um, request and review all the pertinent medical records, much as the plaintiff LNC did, discuss case strengths and weaknesses based on what they know so far with the, with the attorney managing the case, and then identify and screen potential experts, prepare packages for the expert, and then conference with the attorney and the expert when the expert has completed his or her review. Typically, the insurance carriers have physicians in different specialties that do kind of in-house reviews initially on the merits. So basically, the defense LNC conducts an investigation very similar to that of that the plaintiff LNC has done prior to the case being put into suit. And then moving into the LNC role during discovery, which is the longest phase of um, litigation, it's really much the same with a few distinctions for plaintiff and defense um, nurses. And that includes requesting and reviewing updated and additional medical records, preparing medical chronologies or timelines, conducting medical literature searches, analyzing opposing expert reports, opinions in those states that have expert discovery. For example, in my state, New York, we, we have no discovery of, of experts. We don't learn the identity of the other side's experts until trial, which is interesting. Um, I have conducted quite a few um, jury verdict research projects, and that's to get a sense for what juries in the same state or especially the same venue have been awarded um, previously um, to plaintiffs for similar injuries. Um, and then there's always ongoing um, work to be done that the nurse does, identifying and sending packages to additional experts as needed. Remember, most med mal cases require more than one expert. And then once depositions are completed um, and we get updated records, those have to periodically be sent to all our experts with letters of explanation. Um, and then um, both plaintiff and, and defense um, LNCs assist the attorney to prepare for depositions and expert conferences. Um, and we're continually on both sides, discussing with the attorney the case strengths and weaknesses as more information becomes available during discovery. And 
you know, remember that the purpose of discovery is to gather information and, and both sides, so that both sides have access to this, basically this, um, mostly the same information. And then just kind of finishing up the list, the plaintiff LNC at some firms, including mine, um, you know, may draft or edit demand letters for the purposes of trying to get a case settled. Whereas the defense LNC in turn reviews and analyzes plaintiff's demand letters and discusses it with the attorney. Um, the plaintiff LNC attends um, IMEs, also known as defense medical exams, and then both plaintiff and defense LNCs review and analyze the DME examiner's report and, you know, discusses uh, this with the attorney. Um, and then kind of lastly, moving to the next phase of litigation, which is mediation or trial. Again, the role is essentially the same for both plaintiff and defense LNCs, which is basically whatever the attorney needs to prepare for trial or needs during the trial, you know, especially as it relates to medical issues. Um, so, and for example, researching medical issues that come up during trial, um, from various witnesses, especially experts, um, usually prior to trial, obviously, um, preparing or arranging for, for trial exhibits such as charts, graphs, and anatomy drawings. And then um, at my firm, the nurses play a role in listening to key testimony, such as expert witness testimony, the, the testimony of the plaintiff and the defendant, and, and just to gauge kind of how their testimony comes across to a jury. Um, so that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell and very generally what nurses do who work in-house, keeping in mind that the experience is really gonna vary from firm to firm and with attorney to attorney. Well, that's a wonderful overview, Beth, and it sparked other questions as I was listening to you. And one of them, going back to the intake process in the plaintiff firm is that you said that a paralegal completed the intake process. And I was curious as to what the paralegal is doing in that process versus what a nurse would do in that process. Good question. So it's the, the intake process. The reason that we don't have nurses doing all the initial intakes is that believe it or not, good plaintiff firms generally reject 80% of the calls that come in out of hand um, for a whole host of reasons. So what the nurses have done is draft intake forms um, for each type of case that we, that we handle. And then, so the paralegal or the legal secretary, it's usually the paralegal, is basically completing the intake form um, from a, you know, a list of questions, depending on the type of case, so, and, and there are questions that are, that are designed to give us a pretty good sense of, you know, what we want to do with the case initially. And then as I think, as I mentioned, if the, the, the disposition is that we need more information, that's when the nurse gets involved in asking more detailed um, medical information. All right, yes, I, I see that. That is an efficient use of nurses' time. Correct. You mentioned the learning curve of about three years working in-house, and I wondered, in comparison to an independent, having the same three years, let's say, working full-time, 
Do you think there's a difference in the learning curve? Oh, I, I definitely do, because I think the learning curve is proportional to the mentoring you get from teach from um, other LNCs in the firm. Like I've obviously mentored each of the nurses who came after me. And it's also dependent upon attorneys who are willing to teach you about the legal aspects. You know, and obviously that an attorney's willingness to do that varies with the personality and the time of the attorney. I happen to work at a firm where all of the lawyers are great at, you know, including the nurses, the in-house nurses and explaining things. So it's really just a matter of having that exposure to how cases are managed, how you evaluate a good case from a not so good case. And um, so I think the learning curve is much quicker, um, you know, in-house. Okay. And you mentioned the difference in New York in terms of experts not being identified until the time of trial. I ran my business full-time in New Jersey, and we had quite a few New York attorneys as clients. I heard, and I'm curious if this is the reality, that when an expert in a New York case is brought in, that there are people on the other side of the case trying to figure out who the heck is this person? Can we kind of work our way backwards and figure out who that expert is on the other side? That's a great, great question, Pat. And that process typically takes place when within a certain amount of time prior to trial, each side has to submit something called an expert witness disclosure in which the lawyer is required to complete this document that lists the general qualifications of the expert and the substance of the um, expert's opinions. And so where you get into this kind of, you know, cat and mouse game is depending on how much detailed information the lawyer releases about their experts, sometimes because of the internet and you know, to the ability to search on the internet, you can sometimes narrow it down, but, you know, it's, it's, it can be difficult. I, on a couple of occasions, I was able to figure out who the defense counsel's expert was because they listed this very esoteric position that the expert had. And, you, you know, they'll say, you know, in the, you know, in the Northeast part of the country and holds this position and, you know, by just doing an internet search, I was able to figure it out. Generally, um, you know, you, you, you know, you can't figure it out. I mean, you certainly can prepare for your cross-exam of the expert based on what they are allegedly going to testify about. Mm-hmm. And one more question before we go on is you mentioned the role of the LNC in attending DMEs. Would nurses in the law firm attend the DMAs, or is that something that is done solely by subcontractors? Before we continue with the show, I'd like to share this special announcement with you. So much can go wrong in an emergency department. Would you be able to separate the bad outcomes from the medical malpractice events? My book, Analyzing Emergency Department Medical Malpractice Cases, 
focuses on one of the highest risk aspects of health care, emergency department care. That may be an issue in a personal injury case, a medical malpractice, or any other case in which a patient required emergency services. Do you understand the complexities of how the emergency department functions? This book will take you behind the doors of the ER to get a bird's eye view of what goes on. There are several aspects of emergency department care that make it high risk for errors. The unpredictable flow of patients, the constant pressure to quickly assess and treat patients, the lack of a previous relationship with the patient, and the huge variety of conditions and ages of patients. The public is increasingly aware of emergency department quality of care issues. Demand for emergency department services is increasing and with it, cases against ER staff. In this book, you'll get an understanding of the roles and the responsibilities of the emergency department related to triaging, assessing, diagnosing, and treating emergency department patients. It highlights emergency department liability issues and provides vital content to help legal nurse consultants analyze an emergency department medical malpractice claim. Order it today at this link, http colon forward slash forward slash lnc.tips forward slash ed. That link again is http colon forward slash forward slash lnc.tips forward slash ed. Now let's return to the show. No, in at our firm, the the in-house LNCs attend the, the DMEs. Our our only role is just to, you know, we we're involved in preparing the client for the DME, obviously along with the attorney. And then we're basically there to observe, you know, what happens during the DME. You know, we're not really there to interfere with it unless there was a unusual reason to do so, like the examiner was causing pain, um, you know, to, to a client. But our role is just to observe what happens, you know, how long each portion of the exam takes, you know, generally what answers the, um, you know, the plaintiff gives to questions that the examiner asks about the accident or about damages, and then doing a, a detailed report from our notes about what happened. I've never had a situation where the experts or the examiner's report um, differs from something that happened during the exam because you know that that raises an issue as to whether or not an employee of a law firm, you know, could testify, you know, uh, uh, about what happened at the DME. It's just that has never happened to me or any of the other nurses. Generally, the examiner just ignores the, the plaintiff nurse who's there just to observe what happens. Yeah, and I have found in my own experience that sometimes the physician does a better, more thorough job because there's a nurse watching him or her. I think that's true. Let's look at, now that we've talked about the role of the LNC, and I know that it's gonna spark curiosity among people who are listening who will say, 
that sounds like a job that I would like. How does an LNC go about finding those opportunities? So I, there are numerous ways. I mean, none of them necessarily easy, but um, what I suggest to nurses that I talk to is, you know, identify the local firms that do medical legal work, um, getting their names from the state or county bar association, or really from any personal contacts you have in the legal community, and then send your cover letter and CV or, or resume to these firms. Now, clearly, if the firm is not looking for someone at that time, you know, at best, your letter and CV might be filed. Um, but I think that is a necessary part of the process. Um, you can explore doing an internship at these firms, ideally one that already has an in-house LNC who can serve as a mentor. As Pat mentioned, I've done this for many years um, at my firm. Uh, you, I think it's important, and I, I suggest this to nurses looking for either in-house or independent work, network with any LNCs at these firms. Those of us who work in-house have a lot of knowledge about the local legal community, including when in-house positions open up and even contract work. I periodically, because I've been doing this for so long, I get calls from attorneys you know, wanting to hire um, either someone for an in-house position or, or contract work. I got a call a couple of years ago from an attorney for the New York State Board of Nursing that wanted to hire a nurse to basically review claims um, against, uh, you know, nurses who were having issues before the board, you know, based on, on you know, some sort of mishap in their clinical care. So, um, then I, you know, I'm assuming there oftentimes, at least in our area, firms often use legal staffing agencies um, to fill positions. So I would find out if there are any legal staffing agencies in your area. And I don't know if they collect CVs, so they have them on hand. Um, obviously, as I'm sure everyone knows, utilizing online employment sites such as Indeed, I, I know they do list, um, you know, legal nurse consulting positions, uh, possibly explore getting a, a headhunter. Um, and then Rochester has a local legal newspaper that posts all sorts of job openings in the legal community. I'm assuming most, you know, legal communities of any size do something similar. And then lastly, um, increase your visibility in the legal community as much as possible, offer to speak um, at a state or county bar association um, on a medical topic if you're comfortable doing public speaking and obviously take advantage of any personal contact that you have. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there are more, but off the top of my head, those are you know, the ones I usually recommend. Yes. And then a person goes in for the interview. What kind of experience might be ahead of that person? So here's, here's some general suggestions regarding an interview. I, I think it's, and, and I did this for, I, for both my legal jobs and it, things went really well. So prior to the interview, 
do some research about the firm online and come prepared with a whole lot of questions. I have found this a very effective means of controlling the interview. And I, I assure you that attorneys are impressed by applicants that ask questions. Um, so I think, and then during the interview, um, you know, take active steps to indicate the reasons for your interest in the position and the firm. It's always important to highlight what you perceive to be your strengths, such as critical thinking, reading and writing skills, as well as interpersonal skills and even prior personal achievements. When, for example, my husband, who's a retired partner at my firm, he said that when they interview for new associate positions, they actually wanna know what they have done their entire school year, their, their entire lives going back to junior high, because typically the high achievers, you know, have spent, you know, many, many years, you know, having lots of extracurricular activities in addition to, you know, evaluating the different jobs that they've held and how well they did in law school. So um, I also think it's important to demonstrate your writing skills, um, bring with you samples of prior work products in a closed medical legal case, obviously with information, you know, identifying information redacted especially ones that highlight your analytical ability, which is more likely a narrative report analysis, like you've screened a potential med mal case as opposed to a chronology, which is you know, generally just extracting relevant information from the medical records. If you've never worked on a legal case before, bring some other writing sample that you may have, if possible, such as a research paper for a course that you took. Um, so in terms of more specific questions for the interviewer, so in general, you wanna, and if you're comfortable, um, just some questions to consider. Is there a team philosophy at the firm? At my firm, each lawyer meets regularly, sometimes monthly with the team, and that would be the partner, the associate, the nurse, the paralegal, the, and legal secretary to review the status of all cases, um, next steps, and to get and to debate issues. Um, is there a firm document that sets forth the responsibilities of each team member? Are there firm protocols related to the management of different types of cases? I mean, our firm has this, um, but you know, I don't know how common it is, but it's something to think about asking. And then this is not so much a question, but try to get a sense for the firm culture, does it list a set of core values on their website? Um, and based on what the lawyer is telling you, does it seem more hierarchical, which is more common in big firms as to poor, as opposed to um, you know more relaxed? At, at my firm, which has got 11 attorneys, everyone has access to the managing partner. Um, so anyway, now, so in terms of um, more detailed questions for the um, person that's interviewing you, it's gonna change a little bit with whether the lawyer has used a legal nurse in the past, a lawyer or the firm. So um, if they've used LNCs before, you're gonna to wanna to hone in on what are the responsibilities of the legal nurse position? Is there a written nurse job description? Does the lawyer think that there are ways the role could be expanded to better assist attorneys? Um, and then just practical questions like, who does the, 
the LNC report to. Um, in most firms, the nurse reports directly to each attorney she or he works with. Um, and then finally, does the firm have an annual performance um, review system? Now, if the firm or lawyer has never hired a nurse before, it's a little more complicated because um, you know you, you have to sell yourself and essentially as well as sell the role of the nurse in, in a firm. Um, but you, you'd want to inquire of the interviewer or how the interviewer perceives that the nurse will be utilized. And then it's especially important to obviously to be prepared to offer your own thoughts about how a nurse can assist the firm or the lawyer in their delivery um, of legal services. Um, and lastly, in terms of questions that an attorney would likely ask the LNC, again, this is really gonna vary, but essentially in my experience, the, the lawyer and, and anybody else who might you know, interview the nurse, they're gonna wanna solicit information regarding your prior clinical and legal experience, uh, your skill set, your and your reasons um, for the interest in the job. I also often get questioned by nurses discouraged that, well, you know, lawyers and firms, they want, they want a nurse with experience in the legal field. And you have to remember that every single legal nurse got their first job with essentially no experience. And I, I, I tell nurses that one tack that works pretty well is to say, look, Mr. Attorney, I have this medical knowledge that you may not have, and you have this legal knowledge that, that I need to learn about to be an effective LNC. So it's, it's a great fit. And so we'll help each other and we'll learn from each other. I did a podcast with a, a legal nurse consultant who works in-house named Chelsea Harris, who had no experience reviewing cases. She had emergency department experience, and that was valuable for the personal injury practice that she joined. And um, she's continued to learn and expand her skills in the approximately two years that she's been in the law firm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that people listening to this program are going to want to know more about what you've written, perhaps ways they could contact you. Tell us a little bit about your publications on the role of an in-house LNC. Sure. So um, I, I co-authored a, a chapter in the fourth edition of AALNC's Legal Nurse Consulting Principles and Practice with Julie Dickinson entitled Legal Nurse Consultant Practice Within a Law Firm. Um, which is, I think, excellent. Um, it's the third time that chapter was um, revised and it has great information. Um, in the spring of 2015, I authored an article in the Journal of Legal Nurse Consulting on the in-house law firm legal nurse role of uh, 30-year perspective at that time. And then in the summer of 2016, I co-authored an article also in JLNC with our managing partner at my firm, um, an article entitled, An LNC Primer, Screening and Investigating Potential Medical Malpractice Cases. And I think those are three good resources for anyone who's um, interested in working in-house. And of course, if anyone 
wants to talk more about it, um, you know, feel free to contact me, uh, have chat with you. Wonderful. And what would be the best email to use? I think um, still my my Farachi email. I because I'm still connected to the firm, doing a little bit of contract work. So it's e l zorn at farachi.com. F is in Frank. A r a c i dot com. All right, perfect, Beth. Well, thank you so much for sharing what's been a long road, hasn't it, in the legal nurse consulting world? Yes, it has, and I've seen you know over the 30, 35 years that I've been involved, um, a quite a transformation in at least my experience in the role of the legal nurse. When I was first hired, I was kind of in a legal assistant category because they didn't know what to do. You know, they didn't know what to call me. And and I, I was like a fish out of water and they weren't sure what to do with me. And so that role at the defense firm kind of evolved, you know, over the years. And in my role at my current firm, and we currently have three nurses, um, although I recently retired, that role has also evolved um, significantly, where I am quite sure that the lawyers at my firm would never, ever work without, you know, in-house nurses, they just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And that's just a testament to how hard we've worked to really make ourselves indispensable to them and and freed them up to do, you know, things we can't do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you're right. I would agree that attorneys' perspectives are permanently changed once they understand the benefits of working with a nurse and specifically a legal nurse consultant who's got analytical, detail-oriented skills. Even today attorneys will be confused about the difference between a paralegal and a legal nurse consultant. And yet when they see the difference, when they experience the difference, it is clear to them how a nurse carries that support in a different direction. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think the most important skills are reading, writing, and analytical skills, and and today in the in the era of electronic health records, you really have to have good computer skills and be able to navigate electronic medical records and chronology software, and and in the usual stuff, a strong work ethic, good interpersonal skills, um, ability to multitask. In-house nurses have a zillion balls in the air at any one time, so you have to be able to you know, prioritize and, and, uh, you know, and I think overall striving to be a lifelong learner and always thinking of new ways to become indispensable to the attorneys I have found is very good for job security. So Mm -hmm. my my parting words. (laughs) (laughs) And you certainly have had job security, Beth, for sure, for 35 years or more. I've been very, very fortunate. Well, I appreciate the time that you have spent with us today, Beth. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me, Pat. And I appreciate you who is listening to this podcast, getting a sense of the in-house role. Some of the takeaways that I got from this show is the importance of being well-prepared for that job interview to be as knowledgeable about that law firm as you can be. As Beth said, that way you can control the interview 
And if you have ever done any expert witness work, if you're listening to this podcast and remember the feeling of somebody else being in control, particularly in a deposition or a cross-examination, you know that little thrill that Beth is sharing when you have the ability to be in control of the interview and direct it where you want it, at the same time evaluating the people interviewing you as they are interviewing and evaluating you. It's a two-way street. And not all law firms have an atmosphere where you want to work. And if you can spot that in the interview in advance, that's a great thing. I'm thinking about a a woman who interviewed for a law firm and they offered her a salary that was one quarter of what she earned in the clinical area. And they seemed to be pretty bewildered when she said that she wasn't interested. And she realized that they didn't understand her value and she was not going to give up her salary in order to take that significant of a drop. So be sure to come back next week. Join us for Legal Nurse Podcast when we have a new guest, new topic, and share with others in your network. Hey, check out Legal Nurse Podcast both on our YouTube channel at Legal Nurse Business, as well as on the audio channels where podcasts are heard. Thanks so much. Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcasts. I'm Pat Iyer, and I have with me Allie Caton, who is a neonatal nurse practitioner located in Florida. We've just finished talking about the smallest patients in the healthcare system. I had, by the way, Allie, a premature baby who weighed five pounds and was had respiratory distress syndrome, which is what it was called back then. At five pounds, he was the biggest baby in the nursery. He looked like a horse compared to the the one and two pound babies that I think of when I think about the neonatal ICU. And Allie is a neonatal nurse expert witness in addition to being a clinician taking care of those little babies. What were some of the key points that we covered in your show, Allie? The key points that we covered was really how I became an expert. And uh, we talked a little bit about, about kind of getting into the role of the legal nurse consultant or expert witness. And we talked about conflict checks, whether it, your group may merge with another group or a hospital may merge within a hospital system and the implications that it could have on yourself as the expert or your attorney that you may be working with in how those conflicts could potentially be resolved. And in addition, we talked about the qualities of being a good expert and making sure that you're up on your current literature as well as the literature that may be needed at the time, depending upon the year of your case. We covered a lot in this podcast. Be sure to check out Allie Caton's podcast, K-A-Y-T-O-N. She is a neonatal nurse practitioner handling the challenges of providing clinical care and providing services to attorneys. Check out her show and we'll see you at the next show 
of Legal Nurse Podcast.